You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Stop me if you've heard this one, Vardy. Teams that are in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving Day end up making the playoffs. In fact, uh, in the last 14 seasons, that scenario has played out at a 76% clip. So why, oh why, am I not in a good mood today? This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Well, I started off not that great, and then you just sunk it just way low, even lower. On brand, as always. That's what we're Perfect. here to do. This is our wheelhouse. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you know quite well that we do we do our best work when the Kings are bad, and they're they're trending bad. I wouldn't say they're 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 mediocre right now, and they've kind of been mediocre since the beginning of the season. Would you not agree on that, or or am I being uh, am I being too harsh? You think? No, I think. Um... You are being very fair because they, you know, the standings, you look at the standings, everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you look at point percentage, you realize, oh, yeah, that's the real truth. Okay. So we're going to talk about a lot of games, obviously, right? Yeah. Because last, the last time you heard us, hopefully, was through uh, All the King's Men, the Jessica Home podcast. And that's kind of why we took a little break because we we're like, hey, People heard us. That's enough. We're good. You know how we are, guys. I felt this last game against the Rangers is a perfect snapshot of what the Kings are, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Inconsistent, without an identity, defensively porous, shallow in terms of lines on a nightly basis, and roller coaster goaltending on top of it. That's just the negatives. I haven't really gotten into the positives yet. But I mean, like, those are the biggest glaring issues with this team, and that's a lot of them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, all you got to do is really just look at the record, right? You said it quite well that this last game is a nice microcosm of it all. But say, say, say you're listening to this and go, "Hey, guys, it's one game. You don't don't be so judgmental. You can't you can't take that much out of one game." I go, "Okay, fair listener, you." <laughs> How about we back this up a little bit and we take a look at the record then. They had a nice little homestand there where I think they reeled off, let's see here, wins against uh, Florida, then Minnesota, then Chicago, then Detroit. And you're thinking to yourself, four straight, these guys got the goods. They're pulling it off. They've got some good goaltending in there. They won in different ways. They weren't all pretty. That's what good teams do. They don't win blowouts every every night they find ways to eke it out that kind of gears you up for playoff hockey you know yada yada cliche after cliche right and then they go on the road and they promptly have a super stinky game against calgary i mean that game was just daryl sutter i could i could hear him grinding his teeth through my through my telecast (laughs) that game ended 6-5 with calgary winning it was all over the place. They looked, the Kings looked like they were completely in disarray and somehow only lost by one goal. Still. A very misleading score. In Incredibly. The Incredibly. way that game was going. Oh, yeah. It looked like the Edmonton-Calgary series from last year. I don't know what it is about the Saddle Dome, but apparently when you go in there, you forget how to play defense and you just play and run and gun stupid hockey. I mean, I think it's because the building is from like the 1940s and there's carbon monoxide that kind of floats throughout. And so, you know, things get a little wild. But yeah, it was it was Calgary up and then Arthur Kaliev had two prompt goals and suddenly the Kings were up 2-1 and then Calgary rattled off four goals. I mean, it was just, it was insane. The pace of it was nuts. And the fact that the Kings were still within striking distance and getting a point at the end of that game, it's, it's what you and I lovingly call a stupid game. Because Very stupid. it's just so stupid. Just the type of game that you try to draw some sort of logic from and a teaching point or something to be able to be like, here, this is this is the, the lesson from this game. And I, I really don't think there was any lesson from that whatsoever. So no, I don't even remember the game anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I remember watching it and feeling like, all right, we're going to burn this one. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And then, of course, they make you really forget it the following game by putting up 
probably one of the best efforts they have had all season against Edmonton in Edmonton. And you could tell the vibes were there from, from the last playoff series all the way through this one. Best game of the season by the Kings. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think it was the best game of the season by the Kings is because of this goddamn word that I hate, that I use all the time now, and it's called, <laughs> and the word is identity. Yeah. That was a, that's who I thought the Kings were. That game is who I expected the Kings to be this season, mm-hmm. who I thought they were this season. And it's literally the only game this season where I've felt that way about the team. Mm-hmm. They, the, the shot blocking was sensational. I mean, absolutely outstanding the way they were defending. It, they essentially drew a blueprint for the rest of the league on how to defend the Oilers right. in one game. And yeah. it's hard. It, it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of things going your way, but that's how you beat Edmonton. Yeah, And that was the, the, the best feeling I had watching this team this season by far was that Oilers game. And I, I guarantee you, when they went into that locker room after that game, it was the best they have felt as a team and as players and as coaching staff all the way through. Because they didn't play poorly last year against Edmonton, but you could tell there was a chip on their shoulder through this whole thing. I mean, it was, it was full-on buy-in even from the guys who weren't there for that series last season. I mean, it was a beautiful game by them. It was, it was masterful execution. They stuck to the plan. They showed up prepared. They capitalized on their own momentum. They didn't let Edmonton get back into it. Most importantly, they didn't let Drysaddle and McDavid get really into it. They were, Gowdy and, and Drysaddle were going at it all night. I mean, it was, it was a great hockey game. You could have fooled me if you told me that that was like a mid-May playoff game because that's really what it felt like. And Um, so after that game, they have a beautiful 11-7-1 record. That's that's the Kings record after that game. And you're feeling pretty damn good, I think. So then what happens? (laughs) Then they have this game against Vancouver, which I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch this one? Um, uh, I caught, yeah, I caught the end of it, um, but I did, I mean, I, I saw the end of the game and I saw enough of the extended highlights and stuff to figure out that Thatcher Demko essentially stole this game for Vancouver. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looked like even the sections I did get to watch, the Kings seemed like they were buzzing. They were mm-hmm. giving him good looks. He was just making saves. There were some looks where the Kings were like shooting at him with like, several feet of open net available Mm -hmm. so that was frustrating a little bit but this game i was like it was like shrug your shoulders like hey they outplayed them they deserve to win they ran into a hot goalie vancouver scored their chances the kings couldn't bury theirs ho-hum move on that's kind of the vibe i got from that game or when i was turning the tv off i was just kind of like everything's still fine yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. I, I like the the money puck deserved to win a meter. I'm a big fan sure, of that. It's a great, yeah. And I think for that one, they had it as like the Kings at 77% at the end of that game. They deserve to win it. But they just don't do well in Vancouver. They haven't beaten Vancouver in regulation in something like 11 games or something now, which was a stunning stat. I didn't realize that, but I guess it must be true. Um but again, I, I agree with what you're saying, right? It's one of those games where you go, if they play like this or they play like they did against Edmonton most nights, they're going to win. And then I thought they would carry that effort over to Seattle because they had such a bad game against Seattle, the second game of the season, where they just looked totally asleep and Seattle walked all over them. And uh, I don't know what your opinions thus far of Seattle have been. I mean, it's kind of... I don't know how much Seattle hockey you get to watch, but they seem legit, man. They look like a good, I mean, they're certainly better. I mean, that's not even a controversial statement. Um, I think they're shooting at a pretty high clip. I think they're, Mm -hmm. things are going for them. Martin Jones is having a great season for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I would call unsustainable things are happening for them. Mm-hmm. right now so and that's not to take anything away from like they're gonna be a playoff threat obviously 
mm-hmm. at this point. Like it's clear now. The, the sample size is large enough where you're like, okay, like they're going to be sniffing around a playoff spot mm-hmm. come April. So I respect them. I guess I don't know what yeah. your question is. I mean, no, that's, no, no. That's I guess I, I guess vibe. what I'm like, just saying is that like. I think you and I both had them pegged at the beginning of the season as like, yeah, they'll be better, but the Kings will still get their points against them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and they eked one out. The Kings managed to get one point out of that game. Yes. And it was a third and four, third game right. and fourth nights, last game of a road trip situation. Right. They get a point. So right. even this it's all going to come down to that Ranger game. I just realized, but, and I'll, and I'll go, once we get to that game, I'll really explain why mm-hmm. it's, to me, it's such a backbreaking loss, but even the Seattle game, like you could, it's palatable mm-hmm. to lose your, the last game of a trip third and four, or it's not even, you know, you get a point too. It's not even a regulation loss. So you're like, okay, they got right. the point. Right. Um, overall, the road trip looks okay. Um, yeah, especially because you had those four home wins, you know, the right. overall. Right, you get a big one in Edmonton, you get a point in Seattle. It's not the end of the world. But this is when I started to notice that it was several games now in a row where only one line was contributing to the offense. And that's Every that's kind of why, that's exactly why I I, I I, I I completely agree with your point that the Vancouver, that the uh, New York game is a microcosm of it, but I felt like that's why it's relevant to kind of go through this series of the four games leading up to the New York game because it's you start seeing the little the little errors right. you start seeing right. the little warning signs a little bit in each game and and as you recap it you're telling your you're giving yourself like the little excuses right like oh okay they ran into a hot goalie oh. They played against Seattle mm-hmm. and Seattle mm-hmm. really, really checked the hell out of them and they clogged the lanes and you see what I mean? And, and so you keep thinking to yourself that like, there's going to be a, oh, they're, they're still emotional. Like they gave it all they had in Edmonton and they just couldn't muster up the same thing the next night against, you know, Vancouver or whatever it might be. So I guess like you, you're seeing these things and you're justifying it in your head and you're thinking to yourself, all they need is a couple of days rest and a good practice and they're going to come home and this next game, that's going to be the one where it's more like the real team. Right. And, and they always play the Rangers. Well, they always play the Rangers well at home. So it, it's lining up to be like, okay, it's like excuses are, or right. excuses aren't valid anymore at this point because you got your rest. You're on home ice. You're, you're on home ice against the team. You should be up to play mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally. Like, the building is half New York fans or whatever. Right. Half is an exaggeration. It's a good crowd. It's a top team from the East. Let's go. And yeah. and away they went in the first period. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's exactly why I'm leading up to that is because everything was lined up where in my mind, this should have been played maybe not to the level of the Edmonton game because the Edmonton game is a lot fresher. The, the, the I don't know the bad blood with Edmonton is a little bit fresher and so it's easy for them to get up for that game but I felt like this should have been a game that would have had a very similar drive to it a very similar okay guys we deserve the win in Vancouver didn't happen we eat that a point against Seattle we're gassed we came back it was a long trip like I, I could have been giving the pregame speech, basically. You know what I mean? Like, I imagine, imagine the vibe was very similar to what I'm telling you right now. And they should have had no problem with how they started this game. They should have had no problem locking it down and getting the W. So, take it away, my friend. <laughs> Your thoughts on this game? All the problems that I mentioned at the top of the show were spotlighted and front and center in this game. Uh, Kings go up after one, two, nothing. They're looking good. They're, you know, scored on their chances. Fiala, first goal. Velarde, second goal on the power play. So mm-hmm. 
That's two, that's two goals already Fiala's on the ice and has a point on. And he's he's looking great, by the way. I thought he looked really good in this game. Right. Uh, Peterson looks sharp. The Rangers aren't really threatening too much. I thought the Kings were holding them off pretty well. Mm-hmm. But most of the attack, I think, was on the Rangers' end. And a two-goal lead, I think, after one is about as ideal a scenario as you could imagine coming off this road trip against this team, knowing in your mind that, okay, the excuses are done, are gone. We had two days rest. This, isn't, this wasn't even a situation where they flew in, mm-hmm. had a day, and then had to play again. They had two days off. So I was feeling pretty good first period. I mean, I don't think anyone can say otherwise about no. it. No, you're, you're dead on. And a couple points to that to back you up. Fiala's goal 35 seconds in, right off the hop. And Fiala now back on the top line with Kempe and Kopitar after... Stunning, stunning. stunning. Right, right. After several game uh, hiatus where he was on with Kupari and, and Grundstrom on the third line, which, again, on its surface, you and I both didn't like that. But I guess if you want to argue that the numbers looked good, the advanced statistics certainly supported the idea that it was creating a bit more of a balanced approach between having Velarde on the top line, having uh, Fiala on the third line, the second line obviously kind of being locked the way it is. There was The advanced metrics seemed to indicate that that was working to an extent. The production with that setup, however, started slowing down for the first and third lines. The second line was humming along. The second line carried them actually quite a bit through that road trip. Um, so it was nice. It was a great start to actually see, like you mentioned, oh, Finally, it's not it's not just one line scoring like it had been, right? You have the top line right away scoring. You have Velarde picking up his first goal in like seven games or something like that, and having it be a power play goal. Good vibes, just just a good all around start to the game. They're suppressing New York's offensive chances. It's going exactly how it should be, basically. So then. <sighs> As has been the case, unfortunately, a lot of times for this team this season, the second period rolls around and it is just an absolute stinker. I don't know what it is about the second period this year. I'm sure it's just stupid coincidence. There's no logical explanation for it, but they have just been awful in the second period of most games. I have to look up the number. I'm sure I can find it somewhere as to what the goal differential is in the second period for the team. But... It's been enough where I've, I've heard Jim Fox and Alex Faust and all these guys, you know, bring it up enough times on telecasts with like the second period, they just, they just don't do well. And I can't explain what it is. Um, must be the long change. Must be. That, that must be it. They haven't, that must be it. They haven't figured out that Rubik's Cube yet. Yeah. But I mean, the second period, man, right out of the gate, I think the Rangers had two like grade A looks. Mm-hmm. And for the team to be on their heels within the first two minutes of the period, like it's such a bad sign knowing that the second period is their Achilles heel and knowing that being up to nothing in the first period against a team like this is no time to get comfortable. Like it's such a bad omen. And immediately I got that bad feeling because after the, after those two looks, the Rangers had, they just kept coming in waves and waves mm-hmm. and waves. And I don't quite understand. I Maybe you picked up on this. I wasn't, I wasn't too sharp on it and, or didn't pick up if the Kings went into a 1-3-1 in the second period or not. Um, I assume they did because they kind of always do right. when they're up. Right. But it just – without even knowing a four check formation, you could just tell which team was being proactive and which team was being reactive. It was right. very obvious. Um, and I thought Peterson to start made some big saves. Like I thought he was sharp. I thought he was under siege mm-hmm. and still making saves. I thought he made, I think it was on Panarin at the side of the net was one of the early good looks in that period. Mm-hmm. He made a great save. Um, he was looking big in net. He was looking fine. Right. But it was stunning to me how 
almost every shift the Rangers were getting high quality looks. Right. And when you do that against a team like that, you're going to end up paying a dear price. And that's exactly what happened. Because what was it, two minutes in? Yep. Again, after, I think it was right after Peterson made it a good save. Mm-hmm. It goes to the point and they just kind of throw one at the net. Peterson doesn't have a eye line to it, I guess. I'm not sure. The way he yeah. reacted was very obvious that he didn't see it. Yeah, he was looking the totally different direction. And then the reaction coming back to the left side towards his blocker side was was late. And, you know, goals like that are going to go in on most goaltenders. It's just every once in a while, like, you just lose the puck. You don't know where it's going. You're not sure if it's bouncing off of things. Like, it goes through bodies and it goes in, you know? Uh, especially with how he was playing up until that point in the game, I wouldn't say I was concerned. I would say, okay, that's that's a fluky goal. But it's the concerning part was how early in in the second period it was, and how how it led up to that. Like you said, it wasn't it wasn't that goal that upset me. It was the chances they were having leading up to that goal that started worrying me. That like this is going to get bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it did because the Rangers kept coming. Like it did not stop. And there's a, there's a gap here of 10 minutes between Ranger goals, the first and the second. Right. And I felt like that entire time, the Rangers were in total control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, the story of this is going to change probably by the time we, we get to the end of this game. But I thought Cal was making good stops. I thought he was making stops when he needed to. That Trocheck goal, again, is it's it's a very random thing, but it's it comes along because the Rangers had life at that point. The Rangers felt like they could take it. That goal happens because the Rangers had the puck the entire damn period. Right. It's in your zone the entire period. So right. you're opening up the door for fluky shit like that to happen and this is as fluky a goal as you're gonna see right i think trocek's trying to cut through the to the middle of the ice dowdy gives him a stick uh, poke check puck goes into the air cal has no idea where it is and it just sails over his head and again these are is it a lucky goal yes but there's i'm sure there's a very solid statistic (laughs) with lucky goals connected to lucky goals that hey man these are happening because the puck is in dangerous areas, in your zone, on the opponent's stick, away from the opponent's net. And right. the more time spent in your zone, the more time you're spending defending, things like this are going to happen. So is it an unlucky goal? Yes, but it's also something the Rangers worked for the entire period. So right. it's going to happen. Again, can you blame Cal for that? I don't know. I'm not a goaltending expert, but... You know, that's two pucks that he didn't know where they were, lost sight of both of them. It's more intricate than saying, well, you know, it just flew over his head and what are you, you going to do? You know, when it happens twice, at some point you have to question it and be like, okay, are you tracking well? Are you reading the play properly? Tough to say, but you cannot blame him for that goal either. Yeah, and I and I don't, but I think the point that you're making is very valid because I think when you have the kind of season thus far, and especially the last season that Cal has had, I think he starts asking his own questions. I think he starts wondering in his own head, am I tracking this well? Should I have been able to actually see that puck and the first goal? And with the continued pressure that the Rangers kept putting on, kept having offense, his own possession, kept coming at him in that way, I think I think his confidence is not what it used to be and it gets very easy for him to get rattled and have goals like this go in now because whether it's the team in front of him is allowing the chances to generate, whether he's not tracking well, whether he's now afraid that he's not tracking well, it all compounds. It's all it's all kind of coming from the same thing that you're mentioning. So, 
So here they are now, two two, mm-hmm. full blown momentum swing. Yeah, for the Rangers, and and then you get six minutes later, man. Yeah, delayed penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, six on five. Ring, six on five, and I I shit you not, it looked like the Globe Trotters against the Generals mm-hmm. in that six on five. Like there's almost no no room on the ice because. Instead of your 10, you have 11 now in the zone. Right. right. There should be less room. And somehow the Rangers made it look like they had more room than when they do on a five on four. It was stunning to watch. They found open guys all over the place. I think Peterson even made a couple saves. Yeah. But it was just clean looks. I don't know. The Kings were running around, not picking up the most dangerous guy on the ice. I think two passes in a row. And then it goes to the front of the net and Kako finishes it. And right there, I think, even though there's a lot of game left, like, you know, deep down inside, like, that's hard to come back from now. Because it's not just the score. Be like, hey, it's one goal. It's three seconds to score a goal. It's the mental part of it. It's the emotional part of it. Like, it's tough. It's tough to allow three. And somehow... It wasn't even the biggest backbreaking goal no. of the game. No, and but it, to focus on this goal a little bit, I think the points that you're making again are very, very good because there's limited ice. There's there's bodies and sticks everywhere with a six on five situation. And if you look at this goal, four Rangers touch the puck before it goes into the net. Not a single king gets a stick on any one of these four Rangers before the puck goes in. Kako, who's the guy in front, is barely touched by Kaliev, who I'm not sure why Artie Kaliev is the guy at that point, like covering covering the goal mouth. But it just... <laughs> goal mouth defense has just been horrific for this team all season. And the entire sequence is, is an embarrassment quite frankly it yeah. goes down it goes up it's in the slot you've got your your right winger <laughs> is covering kako in the in the net and and cal makes the first save on the shot but even there he's he's come out so far and he's swimming so far out in front of the crease that he's in front of of kako and kaliev and so when this rebound pops out because he doesn't make a full-on clean save. It kind of hits him in the shoulder. It goes behind him, and, and right. there's two Rangers. There's two, and beyond Kako, there's two Rangers that are standing. Zibanejad was like, was swooping in to put it away too. Like, the whole thing is just falling apart. The issue is like the high guy, whoever shot it first, I didn't see. Cal has to be aggressive there and challenge because there's no one in front of him. It's like, if you watch this play, it's like the, the initial shooter, I, again, I'm sorry, I can't pick up who it is, but... The initial shooter, it's like him with a straight path to Cal. So he has to yeah, come out and be aggressive. It's it's, uh, it's Cheadle. It's Philip Cheadle. Okay, so it's Cheadle. Okay. And so, obviously, like, he, yes, he's maybe a little over-aggressive, but he has to come out and challenge that shot because there's no wall in front of him at all. And he, and even before that, he made that good save, on, I think, on Zabinajet on the one-timer. So someone's got to pick someone up like right. you, it, you got five guys there should be some kind of protect the house mentality going on here right. where you got to get lower and not get globe well, that's what i mean that's what i mean like the fact that kaliev is the guy standing in front of the net is is ridiculous like moverari kind of swims out but doesn't have a stick in any type of like legitimate passing lane walker is kind of in the slot. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy who should be covering Cheadle in that sec in that moment, but like he sort of kind of steps up, but doesn't really make an effort to block it's, the shot at all. The point is like, look, there's moving parts. Sometimes yeah. the winger comes down, switches with the center. All these things can happen in in a blink of an eye. I get all that, but to look so lost on a six on five right. like this, it, it, that's the problem. Right. That's the problem. Like. We used to, when I was playing and coaching, what whatever, we used to always say, when in doubt, protect the house. Like, when you're mm-hmm. running around, 
and you've lost positioning and you feel yourself self chasing stop yourself right and go to the most dangerous area of the ice to kind of reset as a group right right um, the home plate mentality whatever you want right. to call it yeah just just look at the sequence i mean i'm watching this gif on on repeat right now it's just insane it's it's insane how far away every single player is from the crease like Artie's the act, actually the only one with any type of instinct going Oh man, I gotta, I gotta get down there and help Cal out, <laughs> and that's not even like where you would expect him necessarily to be. Both defensemen are like a full five feet away from the from the net. I mean, it's it's just wild. So again, the Kings blow a two goal lead. They have now done that three times this season. Mm-hmm. They had a three one lead against Winnipeg. They blew it. They had a two nothing lead against Washington. They blew it. They had a 2 nothing lead against the Rangers, and they blew it. I also think that this was their third 6-on-5 goal allowed, which is the worst in the league as well. Right, right. There's problems there. I mean, you don't... There's, yeah. It's, these, it's, are, these, are, I, these are symptoms of an underlying problem. And I was very vocal about saying, like, I'm not worried about the defensive issues so much. Because I've seen them do it. I know they can do it. I'm very worried about their defensive issues. Because it's almost December. And this has not been sorted out. And outside of one or two games where they've shown they could play this way, I think the only two I could really think of is Toronto mm-hmm. and Edmonton. Where, where they look like they could play defense for 60 minutes. And that Edmonton game... If you think about it, yes, they played well, but even that was an anomaly because it's like they don't they don't block shots like that. That's that's never been really their thing. I don't know why what made them really step up that day and and block more shots than they have ever. But like that's not even their thing, you know? So that's how the the second ends. Now uh Right? Am I am I right about that? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Second and three two. Yeah. So we we go into the third. I thought the Rangers started out again right where they left off, but then it kind of became more of a back and forth game. I think they were trading chances a little bit more, which was nice to see. Um, unfortunate that the Kings have to be down in a game mm-hmm. to decide to be aggressive and proactive. But hey, whatever. I'm not the coach. <sighs> um. And, and then, then we'd be remiss to not mention that like crazy sequence yeah, that happened that led... before Walker's goal where like Right. Well the whole I consider it one big sequence. Yeah. Because um it's the save on on our, it's a save by Edler and Peterson on Kako who for reasons I will never understand decided <laughs> to take the longest spin around the ice before shooting at a gaping wide open net um waited for traffic to get in front of him essentially to take away his great a look but he still gets a pretty good shot off i think it hits edler and then hits cal's glove i mean mm-hmm. i know we're about to shit on him for, <laughs> but like a battle the quote-unquote battle of Cal there is so nice to see. Yeah. Like he's battling in general, he's battling. I think it's not like this isn't Dan Cluche stuff happening. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's battling for pucks. He's fighting rebounds. Yes. He's fighting the puck a little bit, but he's, he's dialed in to the game. It's not like he's zoned out or whatever. And right. So, it's nice to see him fight for those saves. He fought hard for that one. The Kings go down the ice the other way. Again, it's Fiala and Kopitar on the ice. So that's now, this is about to be a third goal where it's essentially the first line out there. Yes, Gabe got the power play goal, but he's on PP1. So all right. those guys are on there with him. Um, Kopitar, I think, finds Walker at the point. He gets his first in God knows how long. I'll let someone right. else figure that out. <laughs> but it was nice to see him score. I thought he played a good game, man. Uh, 
Sean Walker. I thought he played a really good game. Um, he looked much better than he has all season, and it was nice to see him get rewarded with that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the save leading to a goal like that's a momentum shifting huge moment. Huge. And and there and that was with plenty of time left in the third too. Right. That was right. six twelve into the third. Mind you, just before Cal even made that save, there was another sequence where, like, two guys lost their sticks. Like, he lost his stick, and then Kupari was there. I mean, it was – there was a bunch going on on the king's end of the ice where I was like, they're going to get a goal. 100% New York's getting a goal here. Like, there was once – I think that, that whole sequence that led to that Edler-Peterson co-save – was gen- the the reason it happened like that is because Peterson was desperately trying to go over to the right side and make a save and Edler was sliding over there too and Edler managed to like knock both of them out like Peterson was below the goal line and worked his way back and got like a fingertip of a glove I mean that's the kind of thing not even just for the team but you as a goaltender who has been fighting the puck who had three goals going on him a couple of them just randomly disappearing that momentum, that mental thing of like, yeah, we got one, you know, like that was a great save. Like energy was everywhere after Walker's, I mean, everywhere for a whopping, I don't know, 50 seconds, <laughs> however long it took. Yeah, that's right. And um, it was 54 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a play the Rangers run all the time. I don't know how familiar yeah. anyone is with the Rangers, but it is a – they love this shit. Zabinajad does this with Kreider all the time. All the time. And he knows Kreider is going to win the, win the foot, foot race every single time. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a bank play off the boards, knowing there won't be an icing, knowing Kreider is going to get there first. Um. It's a good play. However, clearly, <laughs> however, the shot where the shot comes from is as low quality, low percentage as you're probably going to get. I don't know if Cal thought it was going to be icing and I, he thought his guy was going to get there. I forget who it was. Maybe Roy. I, I don't know. Uh, Mikey. Okay, Anderson. Um, but. It's a goal that can't go in, man. I don't know what else to say. Like, he's – I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it looked like way too much of the short side was open. I think Kreider probably didn't get the shot he wanted on it. It looked like a bit of a shank. Oh, like, it, was a, it, it was a total wedge shot. Like, he – Yeah, he, he wedged it right. Up. He shanked if you it. Look at the, if you look at how he takes this shot, he's got both hands near the top end of the stick, and he's just kind of like – like, that's not how he shoots. That's not how any NHL player who's trying to score a goal actually shoots a puck. Right, right. And so I don't know if that fooled him, uh, him being Peterson. I don't know if that – but regardless, I mean, the angle's not right, no matter how you cut it. Like, And I'm watching it right now. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he, takes, he takes a little shuffle away from the post if you watch the play. Like, right. Like a one, he does a quick, he's at the post with his skate and then he does a quick like one step and that's where it is. That's the yeah. hole. Yeah. And, and he drops. He, he drops well, like before Kreider even contacts the puck, he drops. And that's, yeah. I mean, I was going to say that's okay because you're anticipating the shot and you're just trying to take away the net but i don't know again this is it's a bad goal you you can't allow it that's the bottom line i'll let the goalie experts figure out the fundies on this one right but it's it's deflating it's backbreaking Uh, jim fox had a great line in the post game show he said sometimes the great save doesn't help you as much as the bad goal hurts you Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the situation was. Like, yes, it helped the Kings in, in tying the game, but the the bad goal hurts so much more mm-hmm. than that huge save. Um, and that's 
he nailed it with that one, man. I mean, what else can you say? The building, I wasn't even in the building, and I could tell from the television, like, it went dead quiet. From all that energy, like the highest of highs, mm-hmm. boom, all the way down. And it zaps your team, too, because they they got their ass kicked in the second. They come back off a big save. They get a goal. And it was hard <laughs> to tie the game. It was hard enough to tie the game. And to come down within 50-something seconds and allow that one, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it to you. That'll do it to most teams. And that's essentially the game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sucks. I, I, I don't have anything else to say beyond that because it, it sucks. And they tried to come back after that. And there should have been time, you know, like that was... There's 13 minutes left, but you knew it was done. You just you just knew it was done. They could have just packed it up and gotten an extra 10 minutes of sleep at that point because I don't know, man. I, I, you know what, though? I'm going to be completely fair. Even after that goal, Cal came up with a couple of huge stops. Oh, yeah, stops. he stopped the breakaway. Yeah, like, he stopped the breakaway on Panera. Later. I mean, yeah. it was just... <sighs> And so this is this is like the big mystery of Cal this season where I'm like, which which goalie are you anymore? I, I really don't even know. And for better or for worse, the Kings are, I don't want to use the word stuck with him, but they are. They're paying him five million this season and two more seasons. He's not playing like a five million dollar goaltender consistently. You're having bad goals with good saves, and in the end result, it's it's not the numbers that you expect it to be, even if the win column has been there, mostly because the team's been scoring way more than you actually ever expect them to in a lot of those games. Um, so I wanted to ask you a, an interesting question. What do you think is the uh, league average uh, high-danger uh Save percentage for goaltenders. High High danger. Oof, that's a tough one. And high danger chances, you know, roughly like slot, dead, dead in front, like league average. Let's say eighty-nine. Oh man, you're generous. Okay. No, that's that's damn near elite. If you're if you're blocking like eighty-nine percent, you're you're up there. Uh, It's closer to like seventy. 65 70 okay what do you think cal peterson's not that again i agree with you i don't necessarily think this is considered a high danger chance probably medium based on the location of the shot alone well that's another thing is like if it goes in is it automatically considered a high danger chance? no 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 it's it's dependent on where the shot is coming from that's how it's defined okay so I would say that because this one's coming from below the face-off dots, but not necessarily directly on site, it's probably more of a medium danger. But what do, what do you figure Cal Peterson's high danger unblocked unblocked shot save percentages? League average is 65 to 70%. Probably around there is my guess. <laughs> No. Judging by my face. <laughs> does it seem four, like it's around there? 45. 0.357. My good lord. It is league worst. Hmm. 0.357. There's not a single goaltender who has played in of the 74 goaltenders who have played this season. And granted, sample size, yada, yada. No one is worse than Cal Peterson for high danger safe percentage. See, I the reason I went he's he's probably at average is because I don't know how many of the goals he's allowed are considered high danger chances. Although I don't think he's allowed truly comical goals. Yeah. Okay. Apparently. So so here's another question then. Follow up on that. I don't like I hate this game. No, it's 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 yeah, it's not a fun game, but this is the game that has to be played. I don't like this. I okay. don't know either. Yeah. 
What do you consider? What do you consider a league average low danger save percentage? Oh, way out there, you know. Ninety-three. It's actually higher than that, if okay. you would believe it. Yeah, it should I, be. I yeah, it should be right. Like you would expect that these guys are going to get more. It's it's probably around 96, 96, yeah. 97 yeah. percent. Okay. You want to take a guess <laughs> as to what Cal's is? Oh my God, eighty-four. No, it's not that bad. No, it's uh, it's point nine four, and that's still. Out of 74 goaltenders, that ranks him 68th. Wow. He's not making the stops, dude. He's just, he's straight up not making the stops, whether they're low danger, high danger. It, they're just not there. He, it's, there's bad goals going in. And there's, there's goals going in that you would consider like, well, that's, that's coming from a tough spot. That's a good shot, et cetera, et cetera. But like, 74 goaltenders in the league and he's allowing 30% more goals from high danger chances than any other goaltender, like an average goaltender. I do not like the preparation. That, that, shit, that shit ends up averaging out across the course of a season. Does of it? Of course not? it does. Of course. Yeah. Numbers. Those don't are, lie, those man. are, those are, those are, those numbers turn into losses. That's what it comes, and I and this is coming from someone who, two seasons ago, I thought Cal was it, man. I I mean he was, you know, like I thought he was the heir apparent. I thought it was all going in the right direction. I don't know where it fell apart. I really don't. And I don't know where they go from here with him. You know what's funny? Like if he wins that game against the Rangers, I think his record is six and two. I know. I know, but again, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's so six strange. And two, it's six and two most of those games, despite him. Mm. It's to the point now where when he gets like a one goal game against, or like a he hasn't had a shutout yet, but when he has like one goal against him, you go, "Good for you, Cal." Cal played a solid game, you know. Like two seasons no, ago, I do, I, agree. I do agree with that. It's becoming very like reaching territory. Moral like, victories, like it's becoming more difficult to defend him. Yes. Every time something like this happens. Yes. And believe me, I try. I, I, like, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. We share a Twitter account. I'm there. <laughs> we've hoped, we've dreamed all this stuff. But I mean, when you, man, those numbers are just really rough. And they tell, right? a, they tell an unfortunate story. Um, For what it's worth, Jonathan Quick's high danger is around 0.69. So he's average. Yeah. What is low danger? It's got to be in uh, 96, Quicks, 97. Uh, Quicks is 97. Okay. So that's where it should yeah. be. And his medium danger is about 0.85, which is about average. So he's, he's kind of average across the board. And his, I think his, ex his expected goals against has slowly been getting better. But Cal... I, I don't know where it's going wrong for this guy. I really don't. It's weird, fluky goals. It's the team in front of him not playing the same as with Quick. I mean, you can make that case, but... That's the thing. Like, we have made that case. Right. I've also argued that he's not getting as long a leash as Jonathan Quick is. Mm -hmm. Historically, not just this season, just in general. Although this season, I think McClellan's done okay in going back to, to yeah. Cal. I yeah. think he's made an effort to go back to Cal when he sees a reason to do so. So I'm not even, like, even that's out the window this season. Right. Um, and again, man, it's so hard because it's like, it's not his fault they lost this game. It's not. I, it's, no, you cannot... I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm his, not disagreeing. The memory of the game. The went, yes, yes, of course, of course, yes. of course, of course. Yes. Even even on the telecast, all they're talking about is Peterson after the exactly. game. Exactly. It's it's like when Arvidsson missed the empty netter against uh, you know like or and never even, even took the empty. That was nothing netter. compared to this. The, I know, the, but the it was Cal nothing. trend right now. Right. 
And I understand it's, like that's that's the visual you're left with and the visual or the thought is like Cal lost us the game on that goal because it was 3-3 three, three, right. or it was, you know you could say oh it was 0-0 zero, zero, next shot one and our goalie didn't make the save. Right. But again the problems in this game with this team are beyond goaltending. 100% because, okay, if if Kako scores on that diving headbutt save, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the Kings lose, the narrative is completely different. Is that the team let Cal down? I mean, it might be, but not not in that same context. Not like this. Yeah, no, I not guarantee like this. you. I don't know. I don't think you would have pulled those numbers for this no, show. Probably not. Right. So probably not. I don't know. It's a tough. Again, it sounds like I'm defending the guy again, and maybe I am. Well, you have, bit, but this but... is my point: is you have to because they're stuck with him. He is their goaltender. They're not short of buying him out, which I don't think there's an appetite for. The only way out is through with this guy. Like the only way that you you have to make him better. You he has to be better. There's no no one's going to take him on. No one's going to trade you for him as he is right now without you giving up some humongous asset to get rid of his salary, which I don't think they do. I think they'd sooner buy him out than do that. But even if you buy him out, what is your next option? Who there's no one else. What there's are you going to no do? You're going to bring the law to the organization. No, yeah. you have to, you have to take one of your right wing or right D pieces and probably trade for a goalie. Right. And, which is something that they have not wanted to do. They've, they've been, talking about left shot defenseman for ages now and now all of a sudden you have to start worrying about a goaltender on top of right, it all like, right no it's not ideal um again where did it all go wrong i don't really know but i will point to this and i will stick to this and i don't care when you sign him to a five million dollar contract you play he should have been your guy yep that i day, agree i agree you should have you you paying him he should have been your guy for better or worse, I know I know who Jonathan Quick is. I know who how good he was last season. I know how good he was in the playoffs. But when you sign him to that contract, he should have gotten more games than Jonathan Quick starting that day. And they didn't. And they put him on a short leash. And I'm, a lot of this is on him, but the team did not show him enough confidence. Well, he just played his 100th game. He's 28 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to your point, like he he is getting a longer leash, right? Like he played against Seattle. He I thought he now, played well yeah, against sure. Seattle. I thought he played well. I don't. I didn't. I mean, the overtime goal. That's a that's a clear cut all day two on one. Like there's but nothing. A great he's shooter. Do yeah. What are you gonna yeah, do? There's nothing you can do on that. He played well. He played well enough where they should have won that game. Shots blocked. You want to talk about shots blocked in that? The Kings blocked eight whopping shots. Seattle blocked twenty three. You want to talk about why you're seeing Martin Jones play like? I, I, I made mention of this. I tweeted, I was like, it's not shocking to me that you're seeing Martin Jones play like this when freaking Seattle's trying to play like the 2013 Kings when they're yeah. out there. Yeah. There's none of that. There's none of that like consistent shot blocking, consistent net front presence. Can you imagine Capo Caco having that net front goal with Willie Mitchell or Rob Scuderi like, or Robin Regeer in front of the, come on, man. There's no way. There's no way. Even and so Brayden McNabb would have given him trouble. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I think there's a huge issue here with his goaltending. I 100% think there's something going on mentally, physically, whatever it is, where he's getting rattled and he cannot play consistently one game to the next or even within a game. But I think when you have a goaltender like that and you have a goaltender who you have financially committed to being part of your organization for the next three seasons and you know he's struggling the reaction from the team needs to be let's buckle down let's play a a smart defensive game let's block these shots let's clear out the goal mouth let's help cal get back his confidence to be the goaltender that we know he's capable and not just cal i mean jonathan quicks can use that kind of help too and i don't know if it's just like a focus thing i don't know if it's like a whole we harped on too much how they weren't getting goals. And so now that's like the pendulum's going completely in the other direction. But this isn't, this isn't a, oh, once we get the left shot D, this is going to get better. This isn't like, that's not a, 
something's off, man. Something is very off defensively. And we've been talking about this over and over again, that net front defensive coverage, that helping the goaltender minimize those high danger chances and those rebound chances, it's just not there. Consistently, it is not there. Agreed. What I mean, what else is there to say? Like, Jesus. That's it. There's. That's it. I'm not even going to talk about the penalty kill, but. Oh, God. Again, that's... like, how much is that affecting goaltenders' numbers? How many high yeah. danger looks are they getting on the PK? Oh, of... dude, the high-low chances? The ones the ones exactly like the 6-on-5 right, goal? Right, where the that... Kings are outnumbered right yeah. at the net. Two-on-ones down low yeah. all day on a penalty kill. But that's what it was. I mean, that 6-on-5 goal that Kako got is just... It's basically a penalty kill goal with two less guys. Yeah, but you're not in your stupid ass penalty kill formation. So there's But they go into that. They they basically when it's six on five, I think they default to like, okay, let's sweep. Let's let's do that. That's shit the dumbest again. shit ever. So they send four up. I have no keep, idea, dude. That's come I have, on. I'm I have looked at that sequence backwards that's and forwards. A I mental cannot figure error. out what that's they're just doing. A bunch of guys who panicked in the moment and yeah. let like Fine. how many clean passes it 10 foot clean tape to tape passes until they found the open guy like that. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm t- four Rangers, man. Four Rangers touched that puck without a king touching one of them, <laughs> including the guy who scored. And that guy could have passed it up to Zibanejad, who was even more wide open. I mean, it was it's a comical sequence. It really was. It was a comical sequence. So I don't know. I don't, I, you would think that by now, you would think that by now, Okay, we know we can score goals. They have scored way more goals than I think anyone expected them to up until this point. The problem is clearly stopping the goals from going in. When do we start focusing on that? When do we start changing things up, changing personnel, formations, strategy, whatever it is, to limit these opportunities and these goals that keep going in time after time after time. It's December. This should be when you're sorting this stuff out. King's goal differential minus six. Right? Look at how many goals they've, look at how many goals they've allowed in. It's like 70 goals or 76 goals or something silly like that. Like it's just. Yeah. They're like, uh, what is it? They're eighth in goals four. Yeah. And they're and they're fifth from the bottom in goals against. Yeah. And granted, fine, though, they've played a couple more games than the other teams, whatever. But like Dude, no, no. It has nothing to do with that, is my point. Right. It does not. Like this team, this defense, this we should not be, you know, talking about them in the same breath as San Jose and and I don't know who else has that many goals against like Chicago. They're better than that. Defensively last season, they were significantly better than that. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I really don't no, know what's going there's, on. But I think to kind of put a bow on every there's yeah. problems. And I'm glad they're in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving. That's great. Very happy for them. But here's the deal. Getting in the playoffs this season is not enough. Not anymore. Mm -hmm. It was enough last season. Expectations changed. You went and you signed a big ticket player. You're expected to go further now. The expectation is to make the playoffs and then make noise in the playoffs. Right. And the most frustrating thing to me and I mentioned it, I think, last episode or the one before, is that every game I hear this team is still trying to find their identity. Right. And my question is why? Why? What has changed other than the fact that you added an elite offensive player? Who's delivering, by the way. Who's playing exactly like what you... Earning his goddamn money. Right. Every night. Despite where you put him on line. the line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You you pigeonholed you, him. You made him a scapegoat. You you blamed okay. him for the issues. He was a defensive issue. You took him off the top line. You avoided him in those matchups. 
cool. He still scored. You still allowed goals. Your top line still allowed goals. Your ace center still allowed goals. And you canceled out the offensive effectiveness of who was your best goal scorer by doing that, by the way. No goals in seven games for Gabe on that top line. You say what you will about the, the, you know, he had that great goal that Kopi gave him the between the legs pass and stuff. And then it was radio silence for like seven games. It's just frustrating, man. Just frustrating watching these games. It's just, it's exhausting. Like you watch them and you're just, you know exactly where it's going to go. Once that Trocek goal went in, the way it went in and <clears throat> the overall flow of the game at that point, I was like, it's, it's done. Like, it's just done. I know exactly what's going to happen from here. They're they're on their heels, and yeah. I would love to know when the last time, which game it was, where both the first and second line scored. <sighs> would love to know. I'm gonna. I might have to check that because I feel like. Did any any two lines or the first and second line specifically? I'm saying specifically your top two lines. Hmm, okay. Specifically your t- your top two lines. Yeah, let's take a look. See, maybe the Calgary game because there were so many. But no, there's so many that. goals. Yeah. There, no, because Cali have had two. And then your first line. Had three. Okay. Edmonton was Edmonton was all the second line, wasn't it? Edmonton was the hat trick. Yeah, that's right. It was a Moore. Trevor Moore yeah. hat trick. Yeah, uh, one against Vancouver that was Lazat. Um, against Seattle, Dano and Moore. Mm-hmm. Detroit. Chicago. I'm going back. No, no, not even Detroit. I just checked. What was Detroit? Detroit was. So you're talking five on five, first and second line. So Grundstrom had one. Yes, let's, let's. Chicago, Dano had one, and then Dano and Fiala connect in overtime. Mm-hmm. So that's still the no. I guess your overall question is: give me, give me Bro, a game five on five. Yeah, or Kempi Kalia, or Kempi Kopitar scores, and then line two scores in the same game. Yeah, five on five. Let's see here, Florida. Five I got goals? yes, Florida. Yes, it was Florida. Velarde. Right. At the end that there from the, Kopitar and then right. more. Yeah. That was the that was the, the between the legs pass, right? Yes. From Kopitar, am I thinking yes. correctly? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's the last time, November fifth. Three different lines scored on that one. Then you Seven had games since it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Seven lines. games since it's all, happened. All four lines scored that game, by the way. You had Kupari scoring, you had more Arvidsson, you had Lazat and Kaliev yep. and Velarde with the game winner. It's happened one time in November. Yeah. That's a problem, man. It is a problem. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. And now now you've The five spot, hold on. The five spot they put on St. Louis Mm -hmm. still didn't happen. Still didn't happen. Uh, And you know what's great? Now now Jersey's out too. So you're most efficient – you know, God bless Dowdy, but he's not he's not the, the one bringing the points this so far. Jersey's your best offensive defenseman at the moment. And he's hurt. Hopefully not for too long, but for all his defensive shortcomings, you want offense from the point, he's your guy. So, it's, it's tough sledding, man. It's tough sledding. Should we look ahead? See what, see what sure, the future holds for this I team? I know they have San Jose next in a barn right. that has given them nightmares forever. Yep. yep. And San Jose's, real happy. San Jose's record is bad, but they, they, Dude, they're they, playing. Yeah, they've beaten some teams. Carlson's having a hell of a season. They score three goals every game like clockwork. Yep. Automatic. So yep. you have to outscore, you have to get more than three to beat them. So San Jose um, and then Ottawa. Ottawa's struggling, but they score. Actually, San Jose's, uh, are we in San Oh, they are San Jose. Yeah. Okay, I thought yeah, they, it's in San that's Jose. right, that's right, that's right. Then they have the, the House stand. of Horrors for the Kings. That's right, that's right. And, and then, then they're on this. What is it? A four game homestand? Correct. Yeah. 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 And then Ottawa comes to town and then Seattle again. Yeah. And then a little bit of reprieve there with the Coyotes before Carolina rolls through on December 3rd. And that's the thing. Like Arizona can 
Arizona won today. Yeah. What was the score? Four nothing. But yeah, I mean, I guess I just, I'm just looking at it on surface and saying like, all right. Yeah, but teams again, with bad it's... records coming through. Like Ottawa, Ottawa has a bad record, but I mean, they can score. You got Debrinket, you got Giroux, you got. You know Kachuk. who Arizona beat four nothing today? Who's that? Carolina. Oh God. Random, super random. Very random, but it happened. Yeah. So I guess I'm looking at this record, and I I can very easily see another like up and down, up and down, win one, lose one, win one, look good, not look great, you know? I I really need them for my own sanity. I need them to put up a good effort against Seattle. I need them to beat that freaking team. Because if you if you lose three straight games against Seattle, dude, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot 12 of points. points in the stand. I mean, those are, those yeah. are four-point games. Each one of those are four-point games. Yeah. So you've got to beat that team. You have to beat that team, in my mind. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Episode 92. We've already oh, spoken yes. of him. Is it 92? It is 92. Because the last one we had was 91, and then, and then we did a spot with Jesse, right. which you can go back and listen to, by the way, although it's completely That's irrelevant right. All the now. teams mad. That's right. Uh, yes, it's 92, obviously, Brand Clark. And no I'm and still going to stick to, God damn it, Rick Tockett were number 92 for the Kings. I remember it. There's, there's photo evidence. You're correct. Bro. You want to give this one to Tockett just to, just to give him his flowers? I just for think the there's going to be several Brand Clark episodes. That's fair. Did you see um, that goal, by the way? I, I posted of course that. Did. It was oh, my God. What a fantastic just, play. Just a kid playing pond hockey, you know? It's great. No one knew what the hell he was, he was going to do. No one knew it. He was full-blown rover. Henderson yeah. had no idea. It was fantastic. I hope to see more of that. And he was excited. I loved it. He wasn't like yeah. upset that he was in the AHL. He was legitimately his excited. His first pro goal. He's something yeah. to be happy about, dude. All right. Who would you say the league's best number 92 has been? Ooh, I remember some good ones. Okay. Michael Nylander was a good one. That's probably the best, at least according to NHL.com when they're kind of mm-hmm. going through it. And then the runner-up they had is Jeff O'Neill. Jeff O'Neill, good player. Oh, dog. Great, great on the radio. Love listening to that guy on uh, Overdrive. It's nice. Yes, it's nice seeing. Canadian radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the first two that came to mind, probably. Um, mm-hmm. Can't really think of anyone else. If someone flipped a, a jersey number to go from 29 to 92 yeah, or anything like that. Let's see. Oh, uh, oh, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yeah, Kuznetsov wears 92. Landis Cog. Hmm. So some up and comers, shall we say, but yeah. I think it's, you know, maybe when it's all said and done, maybe they get close to Nylander's, you know, abilities, but, uh, Landis Gog, Ryan Johansson, who's yeah. whatever. I, I don't think yeah. he's, I don't think he's, I know <laughs> your opinions of Ryan Johansson and yeah. Matt Duchesne are, are well acknowledged friend. Yes. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We thanks are for, thanks for, for joining you. us. Uh, subscribe, comment, like, Twitter, etc., etc. We'll be back hopefully sooner rather than later to do episode 93. Go Kings, go! You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.